Hello, hello, it's Joy Foster from Tech Pixies, and I'm really excited uh, today because we have been talking about money for the whole month of January. And it turns out that one of our Tech Pixies from Cohort 18, Claire Beveridge, who's here with me today, she also cares about money, uh, and she cares particularly about the pension gap. And so I wanted to have a conversation with her because I know that this impacts almost every woman who is on our program currently, all of the women uh, who went through our free training and those who listen to our podcast and watch our live cast regularly. So I, I thought that what an amazing opportunity it is to get to talk to Claire. So Claire, thank you for being here today. Um, Hi. I'd love for you to um, just introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about uh, how you woke up to the pinching gap problem and, um, and why it is a problem and uh, what we're gonna do about it. So, um, hi everyone, I'm Claire Beveridge. I am a regular mum who works freelance. And about this time last year, I was walking through a supermarket and I saw a magazine with one of those free bonus magazines in and it was all about women's finance. So I bought it, read it, it was really interesting. Quite a few things got me thinking. A Couple of weeks later, I came across an article in The Guardian that was talking about women not investing and keeping all their money in cash and why that's not a great thing. And the phrase that they used was that women are recklessly cautious with their money. Wow. Now that was, that's a strong statement. And it really kind of hit me between the eyes, to be honest, because when I looked at it, I've probably been recklessly cautious with my money, but I've been thinking I've been doing the right thing all these years because I've always been a saver, but has my money been growing the way it could do? Actually, I now know, probably not. So I wanted to find out more, started reading a load more info, listening to podcasts, and it's just kind of grown as an interest for me from there. Um, and in the course of doing that, it's slowly sunk in that I have a 10 year gap in my pension because I did an extra degree at university. So I didn't even start work until I was 24. And then when my daughter was born, I ended up leaving my job. And although I started to go freelance, it was only really five years in that I felt that I was earning enough on a regular basis to start paying into a pension again. So, you know, I'm 41 now. I have at least a 10 year hole in my pension savings, and that's half of my working life so far, which is quite scary actually. Well, and I think there's a lot of women who would be listening to this going, if they didn't know they had a pension gap before, they know they've got one now. And so they might be panicking a bit. What, what stopped you from panicking, or did you panic? And, and what, what prompted you to kind of go to the next level on what you were learning? Well. I did panic, if I'm honest. Um, I don't like the, th you know, I've always thought of myself as an independent woman and I, I don't like the fact that I've realized that if, if things continue for me, I'm looking at being financially dependent on my husband in retirement. Um, but there is so much fantastic content out there now and a lot of it's free and easy to access. So it's really a case of people educating themselves and thinking about small things that they can do to improve their situation. And the great thing is, the sooner that you start to take action to improve your situation, 
the bigger the effect it's going to have on your financial security in the future. So you made a really good point earlier when I think a lot of women who go freelance or who try to set up their own business or setting up their own business. Um, and I know I certainly experienced this myself. Uh, you talked about, it took you five years to get to a place where you felt like you could pay into your pension again. Yeah. Um, and so, and I know what that means cause I have been there before. So I've run, uh, three different companies. This is the third one, uh, tech pixies and the previous two that I ran, I didn't take a salary on and I worked in them for a very long time. So yeah. basically from about 2007 until about, uh, 2015, which is a good eight years, if my math is correct. Um, I had very little to no salary coming in. Um, but I was building these businesses and, uh, and, and, and so obviously I wasn't, I, I wasn't paying into a pension or anything like that. So I feel like I know what you're saying completely where it took me until I got to my third business where I then, you know, had money coming in from the government. And then I had investors where I could start taking a salary and, and only now because I'm on salary and the pension comes out automatically is that kind of getting taken out, but still it's like 30 pounds or something. for money. Yeah. It's not a lot of money. So I guess what I'm saying is there's, there's the idea that, okay, you've got more money than you need. I mean, you have the three rules, right? Is that what you were telling me? The three rules you and your daughter go through, or you remind your daughter of the three rules about money. Uh, yeah. Well that, that, that's come from a book I've read and, yeah. um, and so I, I now realize how important it is to educate our kids. Well, let's spend through the money. three rules because I think I want to know what your opinion is when you can't get the first rule underway. So what are the three rules? Okay, so this comes from a book by someone called J.L. Collins. It's called The Simple Path to Wealth. And a lot of people who are into this kind of stuff, some people describe it as one of the best personal finance books ever written. Um, so he basically says, you know, the first thing is you need to spend less than you earn. Um, the next thing you need to be doing is invest the surplus. So if you're spending less than you earn, what you have left over, you need to be investing that so that it's actually growing in a meaningful way. And the third thing you need to do is avoid debt or if you're in it, get out, get out of it. it get out of it as soon as you can. Yeah. So let's talk about the first one because <laughs> I think this is, it's a great rule to have. However, if you're building a business and you're not taking a salary, how, you know, it's how, and you don't have that surplus. How do you get to that? You know, how do you get to that first point first where you can actually make more money than you, you know, cause if you're starting that, a business. That is the $64,000 question for people. Right. So it's, you know, it's, not easy but we live in a very consumerist society and we're completely bombarded by messages all the time about if we buy this item our life will be better if we subscribe to this thing we'll be happy and i think sometimes we just have to stick our heels in the ground for a minute and just say actually is all of this stuff going to improve my life in the long run or is it just stuff and what actually really matters and to me what really matters is that I don't get to the point where I want to stop working and retire and find that I simply cannot afford to have a comfortable lifestyle yeah. and the 
brutal truth is that is a conversation we all need to be having with ourselves is what do we want our future life to be like well particularly we have when... to make some hard decisions and i'm not you know for some people it's going to be incredibly hard particularly if you're on low incomes it's really difficult if you're self-employed i know that yeah but at the end of the day is a simple truth that we should really all be trying to spend less than we earn if we can well, and, and if, you, if you're in a position where your, the necessities that you need to pay for can't get covered either, then you've got to think, especially if you're in a freelancing position, then you've got to think, oh, do I go back to work and work for someone else and get a you know, steady paycheck rather than try and do this? I think the thing about freelancing is, is it takes a while to figure out how to make money. It takes a while to figure out how to have the confidence to charge your value. Yeah. Um, it's in it. And so, you know, I think that there's, uh, there's, there's different approaches to this, but, but the, the first thing is to recognize, recognize where you are financially now, right? So just, yes. it's, it's a little bit what we do at Tech Pixies. Where am I now? Where do yeah. I want to be? And how am I going to get there? Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. And if, absolutely. You, if you're in your forties or you're in your fifties or you're in your sixties and you're looking at this pension gap um, and then you recognize what it is, you're saying, okay, where am I now? Where am I, where do I want to be? And then yeah. what, what am I going to do to get there? So I think it's, I think what, what I wanted to just, I didn't want to brush over the fact that, you know, we, so many women who might be coming out of our program or, or other programs where they are learning skills that are worth money and worth charging money for, they need to start charging money for those skills. They need to start making money from those skills um, because that is one, one thing that they can do to start closing the pension gap, whether it's going back to work for somebody else or setting up a company for themselves. But I, I think we can both, um, we've both felt it, we've both experienced it, where setting up a company can set you back as well with your pension payments uh, because um, you, know, you, you're, you're, you put all your money into the business and you put all your time and effort into the business and it takes a while for the business to, to make money to, 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 to fund you. I did have lunch once with a guy who said, no matter how, what size your business is, from the second you make money, you need to have putting a percentage into a pension pot. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I, and actually it was, I mean, they, not for, the government kind of forced the pension thing. So now all yeah, companies is, yeah. have to do it, which I think is brilliant. Um, and we do it here at Tech Pixies. Uh, of course, we can always do more, but you know, you, it's, we do what the government asks us to do, but it's, it's, you know, we're doing it, but it, 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 so if someone is seeing the pension gap and now they've got these new skills and they're going to go out and earn money with those new skills, um, which is great. How, what are some steps, maybe three different things that someone could do to start closing that pension gap? Okay. Well, the first thing is to look at your situation and think, you know, do I have a problem and do I need to deal with it? I mean, that, that is a fundamental first step. The next thing that you can do is start trying to work out how much pension savings you have at the moment and what that's likely to be worth when you retire. How so do you find that out? That's a great, that's a great point. So a simple first step is just talking about the state pension is you can go online at gov.uk and you can check in and find out whether you are on track to receive the full state pension. You have to have, paid, have been paying national insurance contributions or you need to have national insurance credits totaling 35 years. 
to get the full state pension. We need to remember at the moment that the state pension full is only about £48 a week. It's not a huge amount of money, wow. it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing, right? So you, you really want to try and make that 35 years of contributions if you can. So you can go online, see if there are any gaps in that, see how many years you still need to pay in to qualify for the full state pension. And you can also, if you already have um, pension pots, maybe from a previous employer or whatever, you can contact them and ask for an up-to-date statement that, okay. would, that would summarize what you're on track for when you retire. And from there, you can, you can kind of start to get a better picture of, um, of, of your prognosis, if you like, for the future. I'm I'm only smiling for those of you who are watching. And if you're listening, I am smiling because I'm thinking, you know, one of the issues I've got with my pension is I, obviously I'm American. You can tell from my accent, but uh, I have lived in Switzerland. I have lived in America. I have lived in the UK. And I, you know, so I will very, it'll be very difficult for me unless I'm in this country for the next 30 years uh, to, you know, to even qualify for something like that for any of my countries, right? So yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I kind of just, by just being a, 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 a diplomatic nomad or, you know, an international citizen, I almost disqualify myself from any of the, the those kind of things, which is very interesting to let's listen to you speak about it. Yeah. Um, and, and it's worth remembering, even if you, if, if you are currently employed now and you're paying into an employer pension scheme, you could look at whether or not you can increase your contribution to that. Um, if you increase your contribution, maybe your employer match will increase as well. Sometimes you can um, do voluntary salary sacrifice to boost it. If you have an employer pension, there's nothing stopping you from opening a private pension as well if you're in a position to do that and start investing additional money in a pension. So for a freelancer, for example, and I think this yeah. is, you know, this is a very important distinction to make because there's a couple different ways you can set up a business as a freelancer. I've done them all <laughs> and I'm not an expert on them at all, but I know the pain of the different levels. So I was a sole proprietor when I first started. Um, and so, and then I, then I became a limited company. And uh, the difference between the two, there's lots of differences. One of the biggest differences is the accounting costs, you know, because you've got extra things to file. And, you know, um, and, but basically the advice that I got from my accountants was if you're not making, if you're making below 40,000, you want to be a sole proprietor. And if, once you start making over 40,000, you want to have the benefits of a limited company. And also when you're doing more than 40,000 in business, you need the protection of a limited company. So that was the, the advice I was given. And that's exactly when we switched was when we hit that for 40,000 mark. But as a sole proprietor, um, the, as far as I know, at least at the time I was doing it, there weren't any of the pension requirements. So that private pension would have been the, the way to go. And, and I think if you, are, if you are freelancing and if you are just, you have a bank account and it's money coming in and money going out and there's not a lot of expenses, but you're getting, you know, that's an opportunity to set up the private pension. Um, yeah. And if you're then on the limited company side of things, then as the owner of the company, you have a choice as to whether to take salary or not. And I know, again, this is, I'm speaking from my experience, so I'm not speaking from an expert, expert, expertise experience, but our accountants advised me to take a salary. Uh, and the, the, there were two types of salaries you can take. You can take the full salary, 
um, which works if you're not doing dividends. So for those of you who are unfamiliar with dividends, uh, you take a dividend when your company has a profit. And so if you are a limited company and you're a, a freelance person, for example, and let's say you are bringing in 20,000 pounds or 50,000 pounds um, into your business, let's say for 50,000 because you're over the 40,000 mark and you're in the limited company, you can either take that out as salary or you can take what's called a minimum amount. I don't know what, if that's what it's officially called, but you can take a minimum amount and you'll still count for national insurance, but then you can take the rest out in dividends. And there's all sorts of tax advantages to doing that. You've got to talk to your tax person to find out if it works for you or not, at, of course, 100%. At Technixes, we don't take dividends. Um, there's lots of reasons for that, but we have investors and we've decided to you know, vote dividends later down the line. So I have to take a proper salary um, and, and I do have to pay the national insurance um, payments and I do have to pay the pension payments. Um, but interestingly enough, when, with my husband, when we had a limited company together, we did that minimum payment salary and then we did the dividends. Uh, but we never set up the pensions because when you own the company, here's the other thing, that's the one you get out of the pension clause if you own a company, meaning that you know you can choose not to put money into the pension. So I think people, they if you own the company, if you run the company, that's still an option. And I think and, and it you may not be an option forever, but I think it's you can opt out as the owner of the company, and that's where you know you have to be really thoughtful about whether or not that's the right thing to do. And yeah. you know, yeah. and so, but I think. I think what, what I am gathering from what you're saying and what I'm gathering from that other conversation I had over lunch was, you know, just doing that, getting in that habit because of taking that percentage out every month and sticking it into an account that you can't touch that adds up over time is, is a great first step. Yeah. So uh, one thing um, that comes up a lot in the, um, uh, the kind of the financial talking about community and and the, the fire community which is really interesting concept that's oh um, yeah let's talk about independence retire early so interesting is this idea of paying yourself first and the idea is simply that you should when you get your paycheck every month you um you pay your bills and you also pay yourself you don't just say, okay, at the end of the month, I'll save whatever's left because more often than not, there's not a lot left. I mean, it just, it just goes, right? Money just goes. So this idea of go, every month you sit down and you go, right, I'm going to pay my bills. That's this much, this much, this much. And I'm going to pay myself first as well. And that money just goes straight away. And then the rest of the month, you work with what you've got left. But at least you've paid yourself. And when you say pay yourself, it means paying into an account that you're not touching that's building up over time. Yeah. We're talking yeah. long-term savings or investments. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's really interesting because um, it, it, it can, and this is a little bit, uh, you know, when I speak to women who are setting up businesses and they're not paying themselves. Yeah. I, I, it, I, it makes my heart hurt <laughs> because I was that woman for seven years and it took me seven years to finally put my foot down and go, I am working my butt off for this company. And I was paying other people. I was paying contractors. I was paying for a logo. I was paying for a website. I was paying for absolutely everything. Yeah. But I wasn't paying myself. And yeah. that, that was just a salary. That wasn't even like put some money aside. Yeah. Um, 
And I think when I got to my third company uh, and I was just like, that's enough, uh, I'm going to pay myself. And if I can't pay myself, but you know, we don't have a company. And, and it was, it was really, it was an interesting process because I obviously didn't pay myself a very, a very big salary in the big, in the early days. And I still don't pay myself a very big salary, but I, I think what I realized was I, I, I somehow find the money to pay everybody else. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to line item myself into the P&L, you know, the profit and loss report. I'm going to make sure that I am an investment in myself and I'm going to make sure I get a salary and I'm not going to not take it. And actually I committed to myself to, 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 to take a salary every single month to, you know, um, if I have a director's loan, I had a director's loan account where, you know, there's some money that builds up from, let's say, using my house as the office or whatever, that I take that money. I don't let it sit in the accounts because it's important to, to, to make sure that the business can run with somebody salaried to run it. Because if you need to not run it someday, you need to hire someone else to run it, it has to be able to run, you know, it has to be able to keep running. So I think that, um, you know, when, so, when women are running businesses uh, and they're not, they're not paying themselves, you know, and there's two ways to pay yourself. One is to actually take a salary. And then the yeah. other one is to actually put money away every single month. So I, yeah. I do put money away in a life insurance policy from America. I used to work in a, for a life, a life insurance company. That was my, one of my very first jobs. And so when I was 23 years old, the guy I worked for talked me into setting up this uh, account and I've paid into it since I was 23 and actually I've it's been great because there have been times I've needed to borrow from it where it was really important like to set up technicities or to get my visa sorted or you know things like that and then you you borrow from it and then you pay back into it but it's a pot of money that I have been holding on to for years and and just you know adding a little bit of money every single month and it, you're right you just have to do it automatically but it's also important to pay yourself it is and I actually just going back to your point about insurance, that's, that's really interesting and really important as well, because most people who are freelance may not have income protection insurance. So um, that's, you know, if, if, if you don't have a salary, that's a big deal. You've also got critical illness insurance and life insurance. Um, and something that you do tend to find in families where, let's say, the man is working and, and the woman is, is at home looking after the kids, you often find that the man has got life insurance because the theory is, you know, if they lose his income, that's a big problem. But what happens if the lady dies, right? If the mum dies, suddenly yep. the man has to find childcare additional cost, you know, all these other aspects that are going to, so, so the woman's life needs to be insured as well, because that's going to have a major impact on the family if, if the worst happens. Yeah, you are 100% right. And I think if there's someone listening to this who is a woman who uh, has not got life insurance, that's something you can resolve very quickly. Yeah. Um, because you can get a lot, you can get a term. So there's term and whole, you know, so term again, not, we're not financial experts here, but we do know a little bit about this, you know, term is you pay into it and there's no, you don't get money back unless you die where, and it goes to a certain date, which is why it's term, you know, you can say term to 75 or term to 95 or whatever. Whole is where you're putting in money over time and you can actually, there's a cash value to it. You can extract that cash value at, at any point, but also you can, um, it builds up if you don't touch it. And it adds to the 
the value of the insurance at the end of the day. So, you know, there's, there's kind of two different ways and it's more expensive. And a lot of people don't do whole because it's more expensive. Um, but, you know, there are some great whole life plans out there. Um, and so, you know, they're both great. But yeah, it's about getting your pension, you know, that automatic pension payment coming out, whether it's a private pension that you've set up yourself or a pension through your company, knowing what percentage the company is paying uh, out of your salary, um, knowing whether or not you can increase it. I think everyone can increase it. They're, they're, that's a government legal thing. You can ask to put more money into it. And so, um, and then, yeah, being insured and, and the income insurance is really interesting. So tell me more about the income insurance, especially for the freelancers. So income insurance is a type of insurance where you are basically insuring against periods of time where you wouldn't be able to earn your income. It, it you know, it's that simple. And um, I think it's particularly important for people who are self-employed because let's say let's say I suddenly can't do my freelance work suddenly I have no income I'm I there is no um period of time where someone is going to pay me sickly yeah if I'm not working I'm not earning so um usually I think with these policies you've got a three-month period where you would need to be unable to work before they pay out but i i i'm not clear on this you'd have to go and look into it um but at least then you know that you basically wouldn't be having to use up your life savings just because you can't work for a few months well and with with tech fixies we um one of the very first things we got in place was key person insurance and it's with ours was with vitality and it was because i'm because i'm uh, it's a company and we have employees but also we have investors I thought it was important that if something happened to me, that they had the money in the company to hire somebody else to do my job and keep the company going. Because it's not joyfoster.com, it's techfixies.com. You know, it's, it's meant to be bigger than, you know, the, you know it's, it's meant to be bigger than one person. It's meant to be yeah. uh, a movement, helping women return to work, change careers and start a business. So if something happened to me, I wanted them to have the cash to, you know, basically keep going forwards and hire somebody else to take my role and, and, you know, keep the company moving. And I think, you know, it was very interesting. So I went to a, I went to a lunch and at this lunch, uh, another lunch, I obviously lunch a lot, um, <laughs> but it was an entrepreneur's lunch. And literally we were at the table talking and he had a much, much bigger company than me. I mean, much bigger, like, and, you know, in the millions and, you know, and they, they were doing this big tech thing and his CTO the guy who had all of the knowledge of all of the technology of the company um, had brain cancer. And I asked him, I said, I, I don't want to, you know, upset you, but do you have, you know, I'm just curious, do you have key person insurance? Cause I just signed the papers for key person insurance. Yeah. And he said, Nope. So their key person in their company, multi-million pound company doing tech stuff was, um, dying and they had no coverage to replace, you know, I mean, he was, and I, I don't know what happened to the company, but I know it was really hard, you know? So I think it's, it's, and I remember when I worked in insurance, they would always tell these stories, like, you know, the gal who was pregnant and then her, um, you know, and they signed the insurance papers and then the husband died in a motorcycle accident, you know, like, um, the day before the baby was born, but because she had the insurance, she was able to take over the company that he'd set up. And I remember these stories so vividly because 
in, they don't happen to everybody, but when they do happen and you're not prepared, that's, that's the part that, you know, that's, that's what you don't want to have happen. There's, there's, yeah. it's the stories that you hear are either people where they were prepared more or less when something hit and they were okay, or people who had to start all over again and were in a really dire situation. So, yeah. you know, I think the point, to be honest, one of the points of this, this podcast live cast was to just give people a little bit of a kick up the backside to say, where are you at? Right. Yeah. Where yeah. are you at? Yeah, and because basically knowledge is power. And amen. you need to know where you are and where you're going, basically. Yeah. yeah. And you might not know how you're going to get there, but you can, that's where educating yourself will give you some confidence to make those decisions. Yeah. And I think that's something you've done very well. You've educated yourself on this, the topic. Uh, and, you know, I do hope you know, and I know you're, you're trying to decide what direction you go with some things at the moment, but you, you clearly have a passion for this. And also, you know, you, you've experienced it yourself. And I think, uh, I, I think you, you know, I think you should be going down that path of helping women close that pinching gap, because, you know, what a contribution that would be to the society to have a champion out there for the pinching gap. Thank really you. I'm it it doesn't just affect women you know it, it affects everyone men are men are underpaying into their pensions as well and going forward the the more we can educate our kids about this kind of stuff the better chance they've got of hitting the ground running and not having to worry about this when they reach our age you know the sooner people take action the the bigger the difference it's going to make to their futures so let's just, um, I want to go back, make sure we touched on all three points. So the first point is if you're, was it, if you're not paying into it, you need to start. Yeah. Well, the first, the first was, you know, ask yourself, do you have a problem? And yeah. if so, decide that you're going to do something about it. The second one was start weighing up your situation and working out, um, what position you're in, check your NI record, start looking at your existing, um, pension pots that you've got um and yes. then the third is start trying to work out how you could possibly put more away um which i know is easier said than done but that that is the simple most effective thing that you can do and if you are really worried about this sort of stuff you can go to the um money advice service or the pension advisory service and get free impartial advice and there's a huge wealth of information out there huge number of websites offering um information so just start looking around and and, and finding out more about it so, so number one do i have a problem do i have a pension gap right yes number yeah. two what is the pension gap yeah. right number three what am i going to do to close the pension gap yeah yeah, okay. those yeah. are the three things we want people to walk away with and yes. give them some advice as to like where you can go to look to see where you're at and all that. So, you know, that's wonderful. And um, I will say there's a great book, uh, I don't know if you've read it yet, called The Latte Factor. No, I haven't read it, but I've heard about it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's, it's a nice little short book. You can read it in a couple hours. And um, yeah. I loved it. Uh, I loved it for two reasons. One, he talked about what we all know, which is, I mean, like the Starbucks effect, which is, you know, if you are buying, I don't buy Starbucks every day, but actually I, I did. Other coffee shops are available. <laughs> in, my, 
my I know in my twenties, every single morning when I was working, I did buy a Starbucks, and it wasn't until I met my husband, and it was actually it's a great story. So my husband and I got married, um, and I was about I think I was twenty nine when we got married, and for my birthday, like the our first married birthday. Um, he said to me, I mean, this is so weird. He said to me, uh, if you stop buying Starbucks <laughs> every day, I will put the same amount of money into a pot. And uh, for your birthday, I will buy you a coffee machine. Okay, so there's a lot wrong with this, first of all, that I even agreed to have to earn my own birthday present like that. I about <laughs> that infinitely. But this is my 30th birthday, right? I had to earn a coffee machine. But but actually his point was, you know, you're spending seven, and we were in Switzerland at the time, you're spending seven francs, that's what it costs for Starbucks in Switzerland. And we also know, and I'm not anti-Starbucks totally, but, um, you know, we know that there's a like ridiculous amount of calories in each of those as well, right? So not only am I filling myself with sugar, yeah. but I'm spending seven francs a day. So basically, you know, over a hundred days, he'd worked out that we could save 700 francs. And he'd also worked out that a coffee machine didn't cost 700 francs. Yeah. yeah. And, and also, I, you know, he's doing me a huge favor because I was saving myself two, 300 calories every day as well over a hundred year period or a hundred day period. So you add all that up and then suddenly there's 700 francs you didn't know you had. And yeah. I think that's the thing is people don't realize buying a coffee every day it's not great for the environment because you've got disposable cups and yep. it's not great for your health because there's a lot of sugar in it. And it's not great for your bank account because it's coming out of your bank account every single day. And you could yeah. switch that into a private pension fund. And all of a sudden you've got every year, you know, 500 to a thousand pounds going into that. And, you know, you just switch to instant coffee or pressed coffee or, you know, you know, you just, you just make a change. And I, and I respect him for kind of pushing me to do that. And I'm so thankful I did that. And when I think now we've been married for almost 11 years and you think, you know, I don't even want to know what the math is on that. Seven times 365 times 10, you know, it's a lot of money. <laughs> it is a lot of money. And, it, and that is a great example of one tiny small change that you can make that if you keep it up, is going to make a big difference. It, maybe you get one of those pots that doesn't have a, a slot that you can take the money out, you know, you have to smash it. Maybe yeah. just put one pound coin a day in. A lot of people aren't gonna notice that. One pound coin a day, that's 365 pounds a year. Over so time, I, I that's, did do, that's gonna grow. I did the math, so you ready? Yeah, seven, seven francs a day for 365 yeah. days for 10 years is 25,550, <sighs> right? Did I get that wrong? I don't think I... I, I, don't, I don't know. I can't do the math. I can't I do the math. Seven times 365 times 10, right? So 10 years times 365, that's the, the total number of days, times seven francs a day. That's 25,550 francs. So there you go. Yeah. And these, these are little decisions. How to save these are little decisions that we can make that can make a big difference in the long run. There you go. Definitely. So if you got anything out of this, you just, got, you just saved yourself 25,000 over the next 10 years. <laughs> by stopping buying coffee and it's good for everything yeah but um that's I, I found the latte factor really good and um and then i think you know for those of, of of those of our listeners who are listening to this and you know are in the same 
trap I was of not paying myself because I know I know you're there and I know you're listening. Uh, I want you to challenge yourself to be brave in 2020. You know that our our um, hashtag for Tech Pixies is be brave and sparkle. And I really want to challenge women to be brave in 2020 because especially with their, with earning money and uh, with their money mindset, because I'm reading a, another book, which I'm going to go into a lot deeper in the next podcast slash live cast, but it's called the illusion of money. And I think, I think one thing I've learned is once you believe something, it's really hard to unbelieve it. And, and I think we have, Money is one of those things that we have deep-rooted beliefs. And those beliefs come from our family. They come from our culture. They come from, you know, the messaging, like you said, around us. And, but we have control over what we believe. And we have control over, over what we let limit us. And so, you know, when we talk a lot at Tech Pixies about limiting beliefs, you know, and, and I, you know, at the very beginning of this call, you said, don't call me an expert, right? And I, I said, because you're, but in my mind, you are an expert, but you know, it's that idea of I'm not an expert yet, right? Or I haven't figured this out yet. And I think the point is, is that you, you, if you are freelancing or if you have your own company, you can make money, you can earn money. You just haven't figured it out yet. And our point from this call today, you know, me and Claire, we are calling you to figure that out, right? Yeah. It's the yeah. kick up the backside. This, this, this is meant to be a kick up the butt. Yeah. Definitely. Make, make, making, <laughs> make making money, you know, or not making, not making money a priority, but what I'm trying to say is make your awareness of what's happening with your money a priority you know, and become aware of what you're doing with your money, become aware of how you feel with money. And I love in the book, and I'll talk a lot about this more next week, but what he says is, when you think about money, what does it do to your body? How do you, you tense up? Do you, you know, do you get nervous? Do you get, you know, and, and, he, and he said, make money into a person. Like, would you want to hang out with a tense and nervous person? No, you want to hang out with someone who's calm, who's fun, who's energetic, who's enjoying life. And so if you think about money in a fun, energetic, calm way, then it's, it's a totally different relationship than with that tense, scared, you know, nervousness. So I think what we want women to do is go from being nervous and panicked about the tension gap to I'm in control, I'm educated, I'm going to start putting money away. And if I do seven pounds a day for the next 10 years, I'll have 25,000 pounds to show for it, you know, and that's not even including interest. So, yeah. you know, I think, I think hopefully we've got a message that's come across and I really appreciate your time. Do you okay. have, do you have any parting uh, words of advice for, for women who, you know, this might've been a challenging podcast or live cast to listen to or watch? Oh, I think, I think we just need to engage more um, with looking after our finances. And I think a lot of time women spend we're, we tie ourselves up in knots because we're so worried about making the wrong decision. And then we end up just doing nothing. And I think that's part of the problem with pensions, actually, is, you know, women aren't confident that they know what they're doing. And so they just, just oh, you know, it's a long way away. I'll, oh, I can't deal with it now. And we, we give so much of ourselves to looking after everybody else. Um, 
but we're all intelligent people. You know, we, we can, this isn't rocket science. And, the, and even if it was rocket science, women could still understand it. You know what I mean? It's just, we, we just need to start learning about it and, and just looking at it and finding out more information. And it doesn't have to be ridiculously complicated. It, it, you know, we, we, we just need to start engaging with this and talking about it because the more we talk about it, the more we're going to find out about it and the more we're going to share the message to people. Well, you've convinced me, Claire. You've convinced <laughs> me. And I think this will be a very popular one. So thank you so much um, for thank your you. time. You're thank brilliant. You very much.